Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. As we sit down and explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with a three-time MLB All-Star and 2010 strikeout king, Jared Weaver. Here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. And today on the program, I'm joined by a three-time All-Star. He led the American League twice in wins. And in 2010, he was the MLB strikeout leader. Ladies and gentlemen, Jared Weaver. Jared, thanks for coming on the program. My pleasure, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right. You seem like the perfect guy. Celebrations today. Now, you know, we, we kind of... You were fi- you were starting your career. I was finishing up mine. I played a lot against your brother, um, but you got you kind of got in. Okay, in my day, I did the bat flip. Everybody talks to me about it. They ask, "What do you what do you think about today's bat flip?" To be honest with you, I hate them because they're all premeditated. I said I I was more of the I love when Ken Griffey Jr. hit a home run and just kind of had that saunter to first base. I like that today. I think. I mean, it's their game. You know, I've gotten to that point in my life where, you know, a couple of years ago, it was brought up all the time. Uh, well, what are the unwritten rules? And I thought about it a lot. And I said, you know what the unwritten rules are? Whatever the current players decide the unwritten rules are. Who am I at 53 years old to say, well, when I played, it was the best and we did this. Well, of course, we're going to enjoy our generation. History will judge each and every generation. But uh, I have no say on what what goes on. I know things that happen in today's game. When I came up in the game, what would happen? But it's a different game and it's their game. And I'm going to leave it to them. And like I said, history will judge. You were a fiery guy on the hill. You'd pump your fist. You'd you'd do something, do that. I, I never known you as a guy that showed anybody up. It was just emotion. What do you think about today's celebrations and just how it is on the on the field? Yeah, well, I, I think I'm kind of like on your regard. You know, I, I had a little bit of the taste of the old school baseball and then it kind of transitioned towards the end of my career to where it is now. And, uh, you know, obviously it, I, I don't I, I didn't appreciate it at, at, at first, you know, but I, I'm like you. I think that it's kind of, you know, it's a new game. It's a new era. And, you know, we're in this let the kids play type atmosphere but at the same time i mean there's got to be uh some kind of line drawn you know it's kind of getting ridiculous uh but at the same time you know it's fun and these kids are showing their emotion and and uh you know doing what they want to do but um you know when when i first came up i was always taught that you respect your your veteran guys and you don't really do much towards them and then you kind of earn the the right to be able to uh you know do it on your own so uh you know obviously like you said the game has changed a little bit and I'm more on the uh, on the side now of, uh, uh, you know, letting these kids play. But, you know, to to a certain level, you know. Yeah, you got the you kind of got the best of both. I mean, you came in when it was like you said, old school, old school baseball, the way we all came up. Uh, But your last year was 2017. So you're in this modern era. So you're a veteran and you're probably looking at these young kids coming up going. And it's different when you're teammates with guys, you know, people you look as a fan and you watch games and, and you see certain behaviors. And when you're removed from the game, it's easy to point the finger and say, oh, we would never do that. My, I, I always told myself as a player, because 
when I was playing, my grandpa was a big part of my life still. He was still in the game, but, you know, he's 75, 80 years old. He'd meet me after a game and he'd be talking about, well, in my day, this would never happen. And it's Gramps. So I smile and laugh and say, Gramps, <laughs> come on, man. It's it's a different generation. Yeah. But I always told myself I'm never going to be that guy that, oh, my way was the best. You know, I'm, I'm I've gotten to a point where, <clears throat> you know, I've got a son in the minor leagues where I think these kids today can definitely learn a lot from us, the, pr- the prior generations. But I've always I've also taken the approach of I can learn something from them, too. And and with the technology and the things that these these young players have at their fingertips now with all these analytics and so much is made of it. Sabermetrics, analytics, shifts, not a shift. Uh, if you if you break it down. As a player, I was a geek. I wanted every piece of information I could get on you, the opposing pitcher. I wanted every piece of video, tendencies, everything. Give it all to me. I'll take it in and use what I can use. So I'm kind of envious of the current player on what they have at their fingertips. You know, uh, thinking to myself, I could go to the ball. I could go. I could pull into a city for a three game series, get on my laptop. And all night, just watch every reliever. Last time you pitched, two times ago you pitched, last time we faced each other, uh, and just have that all in my mind going to the park for game one. I think it's awesome. And like I said, envious. But, you know, I never wanted to be grandpa. And and uh, Ted, Ted Williams was the best, you know. Uh, he's a, I'm looking at Tony Gwynn's not as good as Ted Williams. Dad, Gramps, come on. It's different. The players are yeah. different today. We're better than you were. I always used to say that to him. Oh, you're not better, <laughs> Brett. You know, each generation is different. You can't put it in general. Uh, you can't just compare 1950 against Mike Trout. It's not fair. Just a different animal, different level of of, of athlete. Um, spring training. You paying attention that much? Uh, a little bit, a little bit more than I had in the past. Uh, you know, once baseball got done, I kind of just pushed it to the side and kind of just kind of caught up on family time. And now that I've, uh, you know, got back into the mix with the family, I kind of I pay attention to baseball a little bit more. And, um, uh, you know, it's just amazing how, you know, every day it seems like there's something new they're adding to the game, you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of hard, kind of hard to keep up with it all. But uh, uh, at the same time, you know, like, I think it's just like everything else that evolves and, uh, you know, I think the major thing now is they're trying to take injuries out of the game and they're trying to, you know, all these guys are making so much money that the, that they're going to want these guys on the field as much as possible. And, and you know, I totally get that. But, uh, you know, it's it's a matter of still, uh, you know, respecting the game and, and uh, you know, trying not to get it, to, you know, let it carry out too far out of the way of, you know, the original product. But um, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely been uh, a little weird trying to catch up on, on the, the, you know, the different size bag now, which I just found out about not too long ago and, and, uh, you know, the pitch clock and all that stuff. So it's, uh, uh definitely a, a different, uh, feel for the game right now. No doubt about it. I was just over in Arizona. <clears throat> I was there for a couple of days. I stopped by Mariner camp and I did a couple innings in the booth and, uh, amazing, how fa- I, I was scheduled to do two innings. Next thing you know, I'm doing four because the innings are going so fast. I don't remember an inning going that fast with this pitch clock. You know, I looked at it. I don't know. I've been asking people around the game. Do you like it? Do you not like it? We just had David Ross on the podcast, the, the Cub skipper. I was asking him. He said, I love it. He said, it's moving it along. And I had, had some questions for him. I said, what about giving signs? You know, what if you don't get the sign? Uh, from a hitter's perspective, 
I, I wasn't the fastest to get in the box, but I wasn't slow either. So I don't think, you know, with a little practice, little time, I think I could get used to it as a hitter to just be ready to go. Pitcher standpoint, it seems like a little bit of a disadvantage um, because everybody works at a different pace. And, I, and I'm just thinking it's, it's cute in spring training when, when a strike gets called on somebody or, or a ball four because it's spring training. Nobody really cares. So everybody's going to laugh about it. You get to the regular season when things count and an umpire calls a ball four with the bases loaded late in the game. It's not going to be funny anymore. Um, your take from a pitcher's perspective, how would Jared Weaver handle that pitch clock when you know you've got to be ready? And, and I have a ton of questions. If it's raining, can you can you do you have more time to get the rosin back? What if you and your catcher can't you know, you're usually on the same page, but I see when you just shake, hey, let's start over again. There's none of that anymore. You got to deliver the pitch, and it could be a huge point in the game. How would you do with today's pitch clock? So far, what you're you know, saying? Yeah, I've been kind of asked about this too, from you know, just you know, fans of the game, uh, you know, around the uh, around town, and and uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm with. I was one of the guys that liked to work quick, uh, get the ball back. You know, I, I was always you know try to get the hitter to stay off balance. You know, working quick kind of throws you guys off too, and. Uh, um, you know, but when things aren't going your way, I, I like to slow the game down and I like to uh, step off the mound and, and make sure that I wasn't going to let my emotions get the best of me and, and kind of, you know, push everything to the side before I got back onto the rubber and, and uh, you know, try to lock it back in. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of tangibles, you know, like you said, trying to just step off and get a rosin or say you're, you know, you're trying to you shake off the catcher three or four times and then you get, you know, you call them out to, uh, you know, get get back on the same page. I mean, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be an adjustment for these pitchers, no doubt about it. Especially guys that have been in the league for so long. I can't imagine them trying to change up their routine too much to, uh, um, you know, get back on the mound as, as quick as they're supposed to. But you know, I think that speeding up the game is is good. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there's there's a mental aspect to this game as well. And uh, you know, if you're just gonna keep rolling through it, there's gonna be a lot more action of the game, which. I think that, uh, you know, I think that's what baseball wants to see. But, you know, from a pitcher standpoint, I mean, uh, th these hitters up here are really good. And, and uh, you know, you want to you want to be able to slow the game down on occasion to to make sure you're not making that mistake and, and giving these guys a cookie and, and, and a big spot of the game. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it's good for the game right now, but I think they're going to probably make some adjustments to it as it, as it goes on. And, and uh, you know, I think. Uh, you know, all these questions are, are definitely going to come up as as the as more uh, games are played out while with the uh, the stop clock. So, um, you know, it's uh, uh, it's going to be a, a you know, like I said, a different uh, aspect for these guys that have been around for a while, for sure. I agree with you. I think it's going to kind of be a wait and see. Yeah, I just think about it from from me playing second base and you you as my pitcher, I'm aware of everything going on in the game. I know when you need a breather. I know when you need to just step off and take some time. That's when I'll run in from second base and and you know, we'll talk about anything. It's not necessarily what's going on in this game. We could be talking I, I I just knew when my pitchers and depending on who it was, their personality, I knew what it was time to just come in, hey, time out. Come in and we'll talk about whatever. We might be talking about dinner tonight, but I know he yeah, needs a he needs a breather. A little bit. Right. Yeah. He needs a breather right now. I know Absolutely. certain certain guys we need I needed to go in and talk to them about the situation. It depended on the personality. That was my job as a teammate. And now I wonder how that's affected. Can I come in? 
from second base if you need a breather? I don't know. I don't know these rules. It's a wait and see for me. I'm kind of seeing how it unfolds. Um, to touch on that one more, a, a little bit more too. Sure. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I've always said too to these people that ask is like, let's uh, address the elephant in the room and 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 realize that TV slows the game down as well. I mean, there's there's times where uh, uh, you know I'm standing on the mound for two or three minutes waiting for the, the red light to turn on because we're waiting to come back from commercial, you know? So it's, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of other things that, that slow the game down that, you know, people don't realize, but you know, there's so much money in these, these TV deals anymore that uh, I, I don't think that we're addressing uh, that, that part of it as much as, as well. So, uh, you know, that's just another tangible that I talked to with, you know, outside, uh, outside sources and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I think that's kind of needs to be brought to attention too. you know, how they have the golfers and we're out, we're watching the golf channel, which I'm sure you do. And then, and then all of a sudden they have the commercial on the right side, as opposed to, you know, coming back from a commercial, you know, they're still playing the golf round. I think they could uh, bring that into baseball a little bit too, to kind of, you know, uh, help speed things up as well. Yeah. It's amazing to me. See, my brain is is and I understand it's for what the fa- what's best for the fans. What's bottom line? It is money. You're right. Uh, during the postseason, you're going to have a longer between innings because you got to get more advertisements that completely understand that. When the, and, the, you know, if I were a player today and the money you're getting paid, that's kind of the stuff you put up with. <laughs> Whatever you need to do to keep those salaries the way they are. Very cool. But I also think from a fan standpoint. I'm going to take my, you know, a family of four to a game. It's expensive. Is my first thing, man, I hope it's a quick game. No, I hope it's a good game. You know, and then I think I I kind of think outside the box, like, well, the quicker the game, the less the concession is, you know. So where does that come into the equation? I don't know. A a lot of things for me are are kind of whack. We'll see how it goes. You know, like I said, it's their their game. It's going to be ever changing. Uh, It's not going to be the same in 1960 that it was in 2023. (laughs) Before we get off this topic here, and here's the thing I've thought about a lot. You can only throw over twice. And that third throw over, if you don't get him, uh, the guy automatically advances to second. I thought about this. I think for a for a regular base stealer like myself, I didn't steal many bases. If you if Jared, you're paying attention to me at first, I'm staying, I'm staying put. The only time I stole a base when you completely disregarded me as a base runner at first base, and I get an easy one. But if there was any type of you're paying attention, I shut it down. The real base dealers, though, I think this is a huge advantage for them. At, from a pitcher's standpoint, thrown over twice and you can't go over again. Everybody in that stadium knows you can't. How do you think that's going to affect the base running game? Maybe a positive because we're going to start stealing bases again. Yeah, I mean, that was that's exactly where I was going to go to. I was like, I, I, you don't really see too many stolen bases anymore. And it used to be a huge part of the game. I mean, I remember when I first came up, uh, you know, we had uh, Sean Figgins and, and uh, Orlando Cabrera and uh, Reggie Will and these guys. I mean, we we were winning games three to one because we had good pitching and these guys were stealing bases all over the place. So, you know, you don't really see that too much anymore. And, and uh, you know, I, I, first and foremost, I know Sochi would have a problem with this rule because I feel like he made us throw over like four or five times in a row, which uh, <laughs> got a little aggravating. But, uh, you know, I, I think that it, it that that the runners will try to use this to their advantage. I don't know, maybe trying to get a big lead to get the guy to throw over a couple more times. So, uh, but uh, uh, honestly, I was unaware that that rule until you just brought it up. But 
you know, I used to get the yip sometimes too, to where like I couldn't throw home. I'd like just come set and throw to first, like without even thinking about it. It was just like a little yippy thing. And uh, I probably would have struggled with that one, that rule a little bit too. But, uh, uh, you know, like you said, I feel like the, the, the runners can use that to an advantage uh, somehow and, and uh, you know, try to get up, get, get one over on these pitchers for sure. You mentioned Sosha. We had him on the show. Uh, I played against Mike for a lot of years on those Angels teams in the early 2000s. And, and you mentioned Figgins. Man, he was a thorn in my, in my side. The Angels of that generation under Mike, and correct me if I'm wrong, a big part of, of your guys' game was running the bases, was going first to third. His whole bag was putting pressure on the defense. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, as a player, I, I used to watch the Angels, and I said, that's how you separate yourself. We had a really good division back then. It was us. It was the Mariners. It was the Angels. Uh, um Texas Rangers, the Oakland A's of the early 2000s. That was a really good division. And each year we were trying to find out what's going to separate us. Angels are always separated themselves, how they ran the bases. And uh, I had a conversation with Mike. You played for him pretty much your entire career. Uh, and it was a really interesting conversation. He was one of the few guys. He made me sit back and think about everything. He would be talking about the saber metrics of today because uh, like you, Mike was an old school guy, but he managed into this new generation. So, you know, he was forced to deal with the changing of the games. He talked about the micro and the macro of sabermetrics and really put it to me in a way uh, that I that I hadn't had it put to me before. It was really interesting and, and really educational. Talk about playing for social all those years. He was awesome, man. You know, he was uh, uh, one of those guys that knew what was going on four or five innings uh, before it even happened. Uh, you know, just the knowledge of the game was, um, you know, was on another level. Uh, you know, I was one of those guys that, you know, I'd joke around in the clubhouse and have fun. But once I got in the dugout, I was paying attention to the game and wanted to learn the game. And I would sit next to the coaches all the time just to hear what they were saying and just trying to pick up on anything and, and just – the way he would just, you know, call things out before they happen type thing was, was, was unbelievable. And, and, uh, uh, you know, we, we, you know, just like any player manager relationship, we butted heads, but at the, at the end of the day, we, we had a great relationship. He knew that I was going to go out there and compete for him on a daily basis. I knew that he had my best interests and, uh, uh, you know, he was just a great, I mean, I was very fortunate 12 years with him. Uh, um, you know, I got to learn a lot. And, uh, you know, we still live in the same area, so I still run into him at Starbucks here every now and again. And, and uh, uh, you know, he was just a great guy to be able to, to learn from. And, and uh, uh, um, just he just taught you how to be a pro's pro. And, and uh, you know, I, I owe him a lot for uh, my career and, and uh, you know, definitely where he took me. Your career, you started off your, your junior year in college. You won the Golden Spikes, which is for the outstanding college where I think you had a few few other awards. The Golden Spikes is is kind of the big one, the known known one, everybody. Your first round pick, 12th overall. Um, you go to the Angels, and your first big league year is 06. You go 11-2 and two to start with a 2-5 Ernie. Um, talk about your, your – uh, Start in the big leagues. You know, it's all different. It's different for all of us. Uh, you came you came up in a time, 2006, where it was still kind of that old guard where you earn your stripes. You proved to everybody uh, that you're a big leaguer. I remember when I came up, I, my first year was 92. 
And I was this kid house on fire, man. And, and I'm going to let you know, I'm really good. And I'm going to tell you, I'm really good. The game humbled me a lot. Like it humbles a lot of people, but I kind of had those guys that took me under their wing, but at the same time, it was tough love. It was, I had to earn uh, that seat on the, on the big league bus. And looking back on it, I wouldn't have it any other way because I went through some tough times. I, I got knocked on my ass, but I got back up and I learned a lot, not only about how to, how, how to become a big leaguer, but I learned a lot about life. You came up in a similar era, 2006. It was still like that. Uh, do you have anyone on that angel ball club that took you under their wing? Uh, the, the main guy was John Lackey. Uh, when I first came up, he was, That's a good, it seems like a good one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was a good one, man. He he definitely had that old school mentality. But, you know, I was very fortunate when I first came up that our whole team was pretty much veteran guys. I mean, it was Garrett Anderson, Tim, uh, Tim Sam, and uh, uh, Darren Erston, Troy Percival, uh, Scott Shields, Brennan Don. I mean, the list goes on. We I had so many guys to, to learn from. And, uh, you know, and like you said, I was a first-round pick. And these, and I, I, I think I still have the longest holdout in uh, – uh, in draft history, uh, you know, I signed 15 minutes before the next draft. So these guys didn't know what they were getting. And, uh, you know, they could have taken it the total opposite direction. And I knew coming in that I had to prove myself and, and I knew that I could be there, but, uh, you know, the business aspect, which I was never a fan of kind of got in the way of me starting, starting a little bit earlier, but, uh, these guys took me in and, and, you know, I had, I definitely had to prove myself. Uh, you know, I think Garrett Anderson was the hardest one to 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 get on my side. It took about two years for him even to 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 smile or acknowledge me. You know, he was just one of those guys that went about his business and and uh, he's you know he he definitely wanted you to prove himself before you uh, uh, you know made your name in in, in the organization. So, uh, but uh, you know, I was very fortunate to to have some success when I first came up and got in these guys' good graces to begin with and. And, uh, you know, I owe them a lot and, and, and I owe my brother a lot too, who happened to be on that 06 team, uh, because, you know, he was going, he was in the big leagues for four, four years before I even got there. So, uh, when I was in high school, I would, I would travel out to, uh, you know, Detroit, who came up with Detroit at the time. And I would spend 10 days with them and be in the clubhouse and, and, uh, you know, just got a feel for the ropes and how to, how everything goes. And, and, uh, you know, I, you know, like I said, Blackie took me under, but Jeff really, my brother definitely showed me, uh, you know, what it was all about before I even got there. So, uh, you know, I feel like I kind of had a good feel of, of what I needed to do as a rookie to, uh, you know, kind of stay out of these guys way, but perform at the same time. And, uh, you know, I owe him a lot as well. Jeff. And I remember that before we were doing this, this podcast, I thought, man, I don't remember ever. I always remember facing your brother and thinking, I hate, I, I didn't pick the ball up. I couldn't see it. So I, I, Check the stats. It was only it, it was a small sample size. I thought I faced him more, but I was one for four, three punch outs. So <laughs> so my mind kind of it. Yeah, he did kind of have my number. I, I snuck a hit in. But uh, you talk about 06. You came up. Your brother was on the team. Very cool. Um, I got that chance in 1998, you know, and, and I'm asked about it today. Back then, I, I kind of. It was cool, but at the same time, we have a job to do. And I was worried about second base and Aaron was my third baseman. And all I cared about is give me a good feed on this double play. And it wasn't, oh, isn't this really cool that our brothers are playing together? And it, it's really neat. Now, on a big league field, people don't really understand. It's nice. And maybe it's different in a, in a pitcher's role because you have a lot of downtime to hang out and talk the game and, and learn and, and lean on one another. But for Aaron and myself, 
it was second baseman, third baseman. It was teammate. He he was younger. He had a different kind of crowd he ran with, the younger players on that Reds team. Uh, mine was kind of the older crowd, but we were teammates. And the nice thing about it was on an off day, I got to have lunch with my brother and it wasn't third, third baseman, second baseman. It was now it's my brother. We get to have a good time. I think when you're in the moment, you don't take advantage of it as much and you don't appreciate it as much stepping away, looking back, really cool thing, really unique thing that not too many people uh, get to do. But difference too is you were the younger brother. Aaron was the younger brother. I was the older brother. It's a different, different dynamic. Uh, You talked about uh, before you came up, hanging out with Jeff, him being a big influence on you. Talk about, him being a teammate, a pitcher on the same staff in 06, your rookie year. Uh, it was great. I mean, it, it definitely made my first ring that much more comfortable, you know, having him in there and, and uh, you know, kind of uh, making sure that I'm not, you know, stepping on anybody else's toes. You know, the, the comfort aspect of, for my first spring training was, was great to have him around. But, you know, we were six years apart growing up, so we never were on the same team growing up or never, you know, got to play against each other or, anything. So, uh, you know, to be in a clubhouse with my brother, you know, for, you know, somebody six years younger who, you know, I obviously looked up to my, my whole life, uh, was, was awesome, dude. I mean, just, you know, like I said, just very comforting, uh, having him there. And, and, uh, you know, like you said, I, I, I can see what you're saying with the dynamic, you, you guys are on the field together all the time. So you kind of let the, the brotherly thing go and you're, you're concentrating on winning games and stuff, but, uh, you know, pitchers, like you said, having a, a lot of downtime, uh, just sitting there next to him in the dugout, you know, if something happens in the game, just to be able to go to him and have that comfort level of asking him questions. And, you know, you might be a little nervous asking the older guy some questions sometimes. So just to have him there uh, to, to, you know, kind of bounce stuff off to begin with, to kind of get break the ice for me uh, being, you know, the new teammate was, was definitely awesome. And uh, uh, you know, something I'll never forget, you know, and then obviously playing against him when he was with the Dodgers, you know, us pitching against each other was, uh, was pretty cool in itself as well. So, uh, you know, just, you know, like I said, the comfort level was the, the main thing for me, just, you know, knowing that Jeff was going to be there and, and uh, 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 you know, I could, I could ask him anything and, and didn't have to worry about it was uh, definitely cool. A lot of playoff runs, uh, 2010, 11, and 12, you're an all-star all three years. Uh, in 12, you lead the league in, in wins at 20. Back then, that was a big deal to lead the league in wins. You know, not so much anymore. It's more of an ERA title. Uh, 2014, you lead the league again with 18. Uh, going back to 2010, you led all Major League Baseball in strikeouts with 233. Um, and it's some great years in there. After 16... Um, you move on to the Padres. Now it's different for a lot of, a lot of us. For me, I, I was, you know, I came up with the Mariners. I got traded to the Reds. I went to the Braves Padres for a year. I came back to Seattle. So I was kind of moving around quite a bit for somebody that grows up in the organization. You're a first round pick. You play your entire career in Anaheim. Then your last year, you go to the Padres. Um, what was that like for you leaving after shoot? How many years was it? Was it uh, 11 years in, in Anaheim? Yeah, 12, yeah, 12 seasons or something like that. 12, Some, yeah. Somewhere in there. But, uh, uh, you know, it was it was tough, you know, because, you know, I wanted to end my career with the Angels. And, and uh, you know, I wasn't um, thinking that they were going to move on at the end. You know, obviously, I wasn't throwing the ball the way um, I, I did, early, you know, earlier in my career. And, and uh, you know, but my competitive juices were still flowing. And, 
And, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping that they'd kind of throw just like a minor league invite out uh, with a, you know, big league or a big league invite. And, you know, if I didn't make the team out of spring, then I would, you know, uh, ride off into the sunset. But, you know, that's the, that's the thing that I talked about earlier. The business part uh, is never fun for, for these players uh, sometimes. And, and uh, um, you know, it was uh, definitely frustrating because, you know, I, I definitely wanted to come back and, and, uh, and end it with them. But, you know, the Padres were, uh, were, were in the mix and, and, you know, the, the ride down the freeway wasn't too far. So, uh, you know, they were, uh, they were excited to have me. And I was, you know, at that time, the Padres were still young and, and uh, hadn't really signed too many free agents to where they are now. So working with some of those young kids and, and uh, um, you know, just being able to put a jersey on. And, you know, my kids were young at the time, so they got to come to the field uh, um, and, and hang out. Uh, you know, it didn't work out the way I wanted to, obviously with San Diego, I, you know, it was, uh, uh, definitely a disaster, a disaster ending to a career, but, uh, the, the memories I have in San Diego are, are, are awesome because the city is, is, is definitely, uh, one of the best ballparks in, in the country, I think. And, uh, the atmosphere around that, that ballpark is, is, is awesome in itself. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, those, those fans have something to root for down there now. Uh, obviously, with you know football and a lot of other sports, not not around San Diego, you know it's it's pretty much just based on baseball now. So to see them, uh, you know, doing some good things is, is is definitely awesome to see. After 17, you retire. <clears throat> this is a question. I, I'm always curious on how other people it was for them uh, when you walked away from the game. I know myself. I wanted nothing to do with baseball, you know, not, not from a kid standpoint. I know you're, you're coaching your kids now. And, and that was a fun part for me uh, after retiring. But as far as the, the major league game, I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't watch it. I wasn't around it. I didn't want to go to a game. I felt awkward. Uh, that's how it was for me. I think it took me 10 years to go sit in the stands at a big league game. Uh, it was just strange for me. Now it's easy. You know, I'm an old guy now, so it's a, it's no big deal. What was that like for you? Was it right away? Did, did you want to go back or did you want to distance yourself right when you retired? Uh, I, I definitely distanced myself for sure. Uh, I was the same, same mindset as you really, uh, you know, and, and I got asked towards the end of my career. Some of the players would come up to me. It's like, what are you going to do after you get done? And so I was like, honestly, you probably won't ever hear from me or see me again because, you know, you, you dedicate your life to this game, man. And, and you, you, to, to, to get to the next level, you know how it is. You, you, you have to push your family aside. You have to uh, push these things aside. You miss out on birthdays and Christmas. Well, I guess we never miss out on Christmases, but uh, you know, just little things like that. And, and uh, you know, when it, when, when I remember I had to make a rehab uh, a start with San Diego. And um, I just remember looking back at the rate, I'd worked hard for like a month or so to, you know, just try to get it all back. And uh, uh, I looked back at the radar gun and my rehab start and it was like 84. And I just remember my body just like deflating. And like, you know, I always had competitive juices and those were starting to fade away. And that's when I kind of realized that, uh, you know, I think that this was a time to kind of, to shut it down. And, and, uh, I was supposed to go three innings in that start and I only went two. And, uh, I told uh, Rob Rahas, who was the manager of the team at that time. I was like, man, I think, I think that's it. Uh, I think I'm going to shut it down. And, uh, um, I went in, I remember going in and, and, uh, texting my wife. I'm like, that's it, babe. I'm shutting it down. And, uh, it, it, it kind of put into perspective, 
you know, it's almost like seeing your life flash before your eyes. I think before you, you, you die, it's, it's like, as soon as you know that it's done, you know, you just think back on all those experiences and all the things that you did to get to that next level and to, and, and, and all the sacrifices you made to, to, to get to where you're at. And, uh, you know, once that's done, I, I just wanted to get away and concentrate on family and, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, my wife had been amazing through this whole process. So, I mean, way she, you know, handled, handled herself and, and, uh, you know, let me do my thing while holding down the family on the side. So, you know, wanted to get back in good realms with her and, 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 and things like that. So, uh, you know, but now I'm, I'm starting to, you know, watch games again and I'm starting to get back into it and starting to, you know, learn all these new nuances that are, uh, that are part of the game. So, uh, I would have, uh, eventually like to, to get back into it, uh, one of these days, but for right now I'm, I'm cool with, uh, helping out with my, my nine-year-old and, and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, like you said, I, I just wanted to get, get rid of it. My son finally talked me into going to, a, I went to a Dodger game cause it's a little closer than driving down to Anaheim. So I went and watched the game in the stands and, uh, that was definitely uh, a weird experience for sure, you know, but, uh, obviously cool because I'm with him and, and, uh, it's, it's starting to come full circle, but, uh, uh, you know, still coming to the ballpark is, is, is a little different for me. No doubt. Yeah, it is weird because it's <clears throat> when we're playing, you know, it's all we ever do. And, and we don't think that it's ever going to be over. And all of a sudden it, it kind of, <clears throat> the human side of you comes out and you're kind of like, it, it really is over. I'm not going to the ballpark anymore. You know, I, I think, and it's not a knock on players, you know, when we're asked, and I'm sure you're asked all the time, what's, did, do you think you appreciated it as much as you should have? You know, when, when you go to Fenway Park, do you appreciate that the history that's there? Yankee Stadium, Wrigley Field. As players, no. I just thought, I'm here and I got to face so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and my swing sucks right now. I wasn't necessarily worried about how pretty Fenway Park is. And yeah, my grandfather played here one day when it's all over. Yes. You know, I, I had this conversation with uh, Paul Canerco. He said, no, I didn't. Appre- he didn't. I didn't appreciate it. Do I wish I did? Yes. But to be the players we need to be, we can't sit down and appreciate everything and smell the roses and, you know, see the sights. It's like we got a game to play and we're grinding. We're playing 162 games. Uh, you don't have time to to sit there and really appreciate it but you're right you'll come back to it once you're a, a ball player usually it's it's in our blood you know I, oh, no. I told you it took me 10 years now it's normal it's okay for me to go to a game you know I don't mind going to a game and, and I'm getting back into it um, you paying attention to your angels at all a uh, good buddy of mine Phil Nevin uh, got the job he's been he's been he's been grinding for a lot of years on the coaching side. He was with my brother in New York as a third base coach. Actually, we went to high school. We were on the same high school team together. It was really cool getting to see Phil, uh, get a shot shot at being the skipper, uh, for the angels. Um, you get to watch the angels at all. Yeah. I've been, I've been watching some games. Uh, you know, I, I honestly, I, I haven't watched, uh, you know, the last four years, I really haven't watched anything, but, uh, find myself, uh, you know, starting to creep back into watching some games again and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing that, uh, you know, Mike Trout is, is a good friend of mine, uh, um, just to watch him and, and where, 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 where he's become, what he's become, uh, uh, from day one has, has been fun to watch, man. I mean, he's obviously, um, the face of the franchise and, and, uh, uh, you know, you're never going to hear a bad thing about him. He's, uh, 
uh, a family man uh, doesn't really like to, the attention. So he's going to stay out of uh, harm's way as far as nightlife and all that stuff goes. And, uh, you know, he just loves to play baseball and he, he's just a big kid that, uh, you know, I think you can see that, you know, the way he smiles and has fun with the game. He's just a, a kid that plays a grown up game. And uh, um, it's uh, uh, it's been fun to watch his uh, uh, transition through the years. That's for sure. I've been paying uh, attention to the angels recently. Uh, <clears throat> I never thought I'd see what I, what I'm seeing with Otani, you know, trout. I've watched trout for years. I remember sitting in, I was at a game when, when trout was uh, a young player. And I remember having the argument with my dad, he was talking about Bryce Harper. Dad was with the Washington nationals at the time. And as a VP and I saw this trout kid play and I said, that guy's going to be better than Harper. And he said, no, no way. Harper, this and that. I said, I'm telling you now they both uh, had pretty damn good runs to this point. So to, yeah. to, to sit here and go, he's better. He's better. No, but uh, I've been watching Otani. I didn't think we'd ever see it. There's no way you can do what you need to do on the hitting side of the game. The, the time you need to put in and, and when you're playing in that lineup every day. And then all of a sudden I'd watch what you guys did to prepare to take the, take the bump once every fifth day and, and your preparation for that to tell me that a guy's do, doing it at the highest level. I said, there's no chance it'll never happen, but not only is he doing it at the highest level, he's doing it at an all-star level on both sides of the ball I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I think it's a nightmare for, for his free agency because it's almost like it's too good to be true. This guy's hitting 40 homers. He's stealing bases and he's shoving when he gets on the mound. He's throwing a hundred and I'm sitting there watching going, it's like, it's an avatar. How can you keep this up? It's almost like it's too good to be true. When's it going to end? When are you not going to be able to do it anymore? But the past two years, he's been unbelievable. Your thoughts on that a little bit. Could you imagine hitting 40 and doing what you got to do to be successful on the mound? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be, uh, uh, <laughs> like you said, there's a, how much do you pay him? What is it? 50 million a minimum I mean, with incentives. Yeah, minimum. I mean, you would have to, I mean, it, it, he's doing things that nobody's ever done before. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, he's the unicorn of baseball, man. And, and, you know, it's, it's awesome to watch. I mean, just the way he goes about his, his business. I was able to, uh, you know, go throughout the first pitch uh, last year and, and he happened to be down in the cage and just watching him and watching his, uh, um, you know, the way he goes about his business just for that little amount of time, you know, it's just like, uh, it was just a cool experience, you know, to, to be able to see that. And, uh, you know, I can't even imagine what his five day routine is with, with pitching either. I mean, there's gotta be some kind of circumstances to where he only throws bullpens on. So I, I, like I said, I, it blows my mind to, to even know what that routine is on a, on a daily basis, uh, for him, you know, and, and to be able to stay healthy through all that, uh, is, is gotta be tough in itself as well. You know, I mean, you're, you're doing, uh, you're putting your body through, uh, more things than, you know, anybody else has in, in the history of baseball, I believe, you know? So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how you even go about, um, starting the the contract talks with this guy because he's just doing things that nobody's ever done so uh for i mean he definitely has to be the the highest paid player in baseball i would say i mean he's he's doing both both sides of the uh, of the uh, uh offense and defense here so uh you know it's crazy but it's, it's fun to watch man it's really cool and 
And, uh, you know, I've been uh, checking him out with this World Baseball Classic, the way, you know, he's come back to the tr uh, Japan and the, the the fans there obviously just think he's God. So uh, it's it's pretty cool to see him go back to his his, his environment out there in Japan and, and to see how, you know, I mean, he's a rock star. It's like Michael Jackson, I'm sure, when, you know, he was doing this thing. You know, it's he's that big uh, out there. And, and uh, uh, it's pretty fun to watch him go through that as well. Yeah, I came up, uh, you know, when I came back to Seattle the, the second time, that was the beginning of Ichiro when he came over. And talk about a rock star in Japan. It was unbelievable to watch what we watched on a daily basis and how the, how they how much of the of his time they wanted. I, I think it's a good scenario that Michael Jackson, I don't know, Otani might be overtaking Ichiro right now with doing what he's doing. <laughs> and I thought yeah. that would never happen, you know, but it's it's pretty unbelievable. Before I let you go, I, I forgot to ask you about this, about you and your brother. Um, you were teammates for one year, but um, did you, when you weren't teammates, how was that interaction? I know when when you know, Aaron and myself, we played together for one year uh, and hitters are different. You know, we'd check in with each other. I, I went uh, I, I'd call him once a week. How you doing? How you swinging? You know, that's usually what it comes down to. You see in the ball. All right. You know, I, I can check the box score. I know if he got a hit or he didn't get a hit. But how you feeling? You know, we talk about that from a pitcher standpoint when we are on separate teams. Was the it was it more of, hey, you faced these guys two weeks ago. What do they got? Or was it more just brotherly stuff like like I mentioned? It was a little bit of both. Uh, you know, he we we definitely you know I didn't we were only together for a half a season because I don't know if you you know this, but he uh, that 06 season uh, I made four starts for Bartolo Colon at the time who was hurt, and then I got sent back down, and then uh, a couple weeks later got called back up, and I didn't know why I got called back up, and they had released Jeff. So I took his spot and he went to St. Louis to go on to win a, a world series. So it kind of worked out, kind of worked out both uh, good for both of us. But uh, uh, anyways, back to that, that he, you know, we always watched each other when we weren't pitching, you know, if, you know, after a game or before a game, if the time zones were different, we would always uh, uh, watch each other and, and uh, kind of bounce stuff off, you know, at the next phone call, we would kind of talk about, uh, you know, what happened in, in, in that last game or whatnot. And, uh, um, you know, we always had that. I always say that, you know, we were never cl close growing up and baseball brought us together. You know, it gave us uh, that that one uh, dynamic that we both had in common and and, uh, uh, you know, both love to do what we do. So uh, we always bounce stuff off uh, as baseball kind of uh, brought us closer together and always talk stuff out. And even when he retired and uh, he would call me after my starts or, you know, the next day after my starts just to kind of bounce stuff off me. And, and uh, I was uh, obviously, uh, you know, open arms with that kind of stuff. I always loved input and, and, uh, if you could see something on me to, to let me know about it. So, uh, we always had that kind of good dynamic, uh, as baseball kind of brought us closer together. Yeah. Very cool. Well, and, and if you talk to Jeff, tell him, tell him Booney said hi. We, we played some golf together over the years yeah, for sure. at Pebble Beach. But, uh, Jared, I appreciate you coming on the Boo podcast. Great career. All the best with your nine year old you. Uh, you're going to have a lot of fun. It's, it, these are times too you'll look back. You know, I did it for years and, uh, coaching 
for those of you listening to the Boom Podcast, we're talking about coaching our kids and and watching them grow up and and be passionate about about sports. Uh, I did it for years. You appreciate that. Great career. I appreciate you coming on the Boom Podcast as we do each and every Boom Podcast at the end of the podcast. We kick it back to the voice of the podcast, and that voice is Dan Levy. Dan? That's going to wrap it up for the Boone Podcast. My name is Dan Levy, and I'm the technical director, producer, and voice of the Boone Podcast. The executive producer is Rich Herrera. The digital content for the Boone Podcast is provided by Liz Landry. Please share the Boone Podcast with neighbors and friends, and make sure you subscribe to the Boone Podcast so you never miss an episode of the show. And while you're at it, please give it a five-star rating and share your feelings about the Boone Podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. For all of us here on the Boone Podcast, I'm Dan Levy. Thanks for listening.